This is your Monday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. A lot of ground to cover today. Jim Suhan joined me in just a little while. He was in Augusta covering the Masters all weekend long and uh, had some good good reports from there. Happy to talk with him about that. Patrick Royce will join me here in just one minute to talk about Sale of the Timberwolves, talk about Twins implosion on uh, on Saturday and Sunday and get to a little of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey as well, falling in the NCAA Men's Championship game. So good stuff coming up on this show. We're going to jump right into it because it's Monday and we got so much to get to. So here we go with Patrick Royce. Patrick, it was a, uh, a newsy weekend. A lot of things we expected to happen this weekend uh, took place. You know, you had the NCAA men's hockey championship game. You had twin series. You got all sorts of, you know, events going on. The one thing, Patrick, that I didn't necessarily anticipate was uh, Alex Rodriguez buying the Timberwolves. <laughs> well, your first thought, I guess, when you heard that on, uh, on Saturday night. Well, I was... Uh... I was wondering who the money guy was at first, because I'm sure Alex might have a hundred billion in the bank, but uh, he's not buying a basketball team. Uh, this Mark Laurie is, is how am I pronouncing it right? I don't even know. That's, yeah, that's right. But he's uh, uh, set up the Walmart e-sale operation. And apparently that's what he does. Uh, I wonder if there's other guys in on it too, but uh, a billion and a half, allegedly, that, uh, that sounds a little steep. And, uh, you know, I think that's uh, that's more than even Glenn Taylor imagined when it started. But they uh, I obviously was shocked. I hate the guy. So it'll be interesting. I think he's one of the biggest ponies in the history of man. Uh, I actually a couple of years ago when he was starting off his very mediocre work on ESPN as an analyst, uh, he, he was in uh, he was at the at the ballpark and uh, the uh Twins ballpark in Hammond Stadium, and I went over to him, and he said, "Yeah, I'll get with you right in a minute." And of course, he ended up sniffing me, but that didn't—that really doesn't change my view of him. He's a, you know, a world-class liar, and uh, showed that uh, on the whole, on the whole steroid thing. And uh, but he certainly has remade his remade his image with the majority of the public. The fact that he's on when he's basically banned from baseball and he's still on the telecast tells you something about baseball's desperation to try to reach a reach an audience. Okay, you know, yes, you know, baseball could have told US ESPN not to use him, but they didn't. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be uh, interesting. Of course, you you really you have a hard time, Mike. Uh, really believing that A-Rod wants to own a team in the bustling burg of Minneapolis and St. Paul. I, I have a hard time with that. So, of course, the immediate speculation is uh, five years from now, where do they want to put this team? You know, three years from now, where do they want to put this team? That's, uh, you know, there's going to be some proviso in there that uh, right. that he can't move. But Chris Hine had a story on this a year ago. That, yep all legal authorities say that they really can't they can't make it so uh arduous uh, to to break the you know the lease yeah. break at least only cost 50 million dollars which is chump change when you're spending this much yeah it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how they ultimately structure this thing to to see if there are any things they can do or you know what they're going to say coming out sounds like the sounds like uh a-rod's going to be at the game tonight that's um, what i heard 
so. that'll be interesting um yeah it's he's just uh an interesting historical figure. He kind of brings some, you know, I was going to say brings some juice to the sale, but maybe yes, that's not the perfect. Well, he does. I mean, you know, the public will like it. Whatever NBA audience we have here, which is very, very minimal at the moment, uh, the, the youthful part of that will be impressed by him because they don't care that he was taking steroids. You know, what is a, you know, 22 year old uh, NBA fan in, in Minnesota care about? A-Rod's past, uh, you know, they, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think he'll, he'll be fairly popular with the audience they're trying to attract. And, uh, and he's, he, he, he'll give his interviews in which he says nothing, by the way, my wife has turned on him too. Because, uh, is that, did she, did she turn on him as bad as Dick Bremer? Did you see his tweet uh, last night? Oh no. What did he say? <laughs> I think, I think A-Rod made a Sunday night baseball appear. Oh, yeah, he was on Sunday night baseball, of course. And uh, he was talking about how he liked to hit in the Metrodome last night. And Dick Bremer tweeted, yes, A-Rod, the Metrodome was a great place to hit, especially when you were gooned up on the juice <laughs> and your urine glowed in the dark. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's kind of nasty. But uh, he was, you know, I mean, the deal with this guy is that he, our guy, our, our uh, former reporter, Selena Roberts, was the one that started it and, and basically exposed him as a as a cheat and on the steroids, which we all should have known anyway. Looking at him, but uh, you know he they badmouthed her or something fierce, and then they ended up having to turn around and admit that he did it. Then he got caught again. So I I don't know. It's uh, but anyway, Mrs. Race, he turned on him because she's he's so smug on Shark Tank. <laughs> you know, he's an occasion. She's a Shark Tank watcher. Okay, and he comes out there with Cuban and all these other like financial geniuses who've created this wealth, and he comes out and he's just the smug, most smug guy they've ever had on that. She said, and then he never gives anybody any money. He never takes. He never says, "Yeah, okay, I'll invest." 300,000 in that or 500,000 in that. He's like most athletes. He likes to keep his money. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he actually has to pony up in this sale. Uh, And and, and owning an NBA team is kind of a license to print money in the first place because you got these, you know, you got the TV contracts, you got all this stuff, even if they keep the team here for a long time, which, you know, again, that was the big question. Like you said, was as soon as this came out, you know, the, they'll they'll make they'll the value will keep going up you would imagine although maybe i don't know where the i don't know where the bubble is on some of these sports teams but no i don't either we'll see but you know the the, yeah the the big thing was people immediately was just kind of amused me you know glenn taylor people have been you know glenn taylor the caveat we always have to mention he also owns the star tribune um people wolves fans for a long time have been wanting him to sell the team because this is this team has not exactly thrived, Patrick. I don't know if you've noticed in the last oh, no, uh, 15, yeah. 20 years, uh, yeah. has not been a great run for him. But then they finally does agree to sell him. People are like, oh no, no, don't don't sell him, don't sell him to A Rod. Yeah. You know, it's like so. Well, you know, what do you want really? Yeah, uh, and and people say uh, Las Vegas or Seattle. Well, I got news for him: the NBA isn't letting any current teams no move to those two towns because those are the towns where they want to get a billion dollar expansion fee. two and a half billion uh, two and a half billion uh, was the expansion fee this, that's being talked about uh you're kidding me that i think was, that was the I, number I, think, I saw i don't think seattle will pay it maybe vegas will yeah but uh 
they're not going to uh, let the, you know. You know where I was thinking if they moved the team? Hmm. No, this sounds goofy. They're building a new arena. Yeah, on Long Island. They yeah. already have, uh, you know, you already have two teams out there. Yeah, but they, you know, Long Island out there where there's a lot of money out there, and you know the the Nets are. I mean, the hockey team is building it, opening their new arena next year. Yeah, I, you know, who knows? He's, yeah, I, I don't know where the heck he'd, uh, where where they would move, but I, you know, obviously the. They'll give it a run here. My my question becomes, uh, Mike, uh, when that uh, when all of a sudden we start talking about needing a new arena? Yeah, because that Target Center has been around for quite a while, right? Like nineteen days, and it looks nice now. They spent a right. lot of money and blah blah right. blah, but it's not it's not a modern arena anymore. Right. So I, yep. I don't know. I don't yep. know, but it certainly will uh, create a lot of attention. Now uh, we've we've tried to limit the jokes on how uh, they're going to wait two years to take over as they learn the NBA, uh, <laughs> how to run a NBA organization. Uh, you know, these are, these are not the role models at this point, but uh, yeah, yeah. we'll see. I don't know. There is that said, despite the fact that they like to give up 140 points once in a while, uh, virtually half the time, uh, there is some, you know, hits of some talent here, uh, you know, cats playing probably the best he has since his early years. Yeah. And, and, uh, Edwards is, is the real deal. And, uh, you know, we'll see how Russell fits the equation or not, but yeah, he's, he's, he's been he's pretty good. Of, he's, he's been, been pretty good, good since he came back. They were pretty good last night against the bulls. I mean, that's not a great yeah. team they beat, but that's a, you know, a win's a win They're I think they're two and yeah. two now since Russell came back. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's something more here. I like Edwards a lot because he's not intimidated by Cat. He's not right. intimidated by anybody he's playing with. He's going to get his 22 shots, and he doesn't. It's not like he's standing around being subservient to guys. He's going to show what he's got, and uh, and and I kind of like that. Uh, I, I I I like that that about him. You know, they've had their share of busts here, Jared Culver, and uh, yeah. you know, was terrible terrible pickup but it's nice to see it's nice to see when you get the first pick they got their stars are both number one overall this was yeah not like, these are not like actual uh boy hidden gems super, boy aren't we yeah aren't, aren't we geniuses we were uh we, we were smart enough to take the two best players in the draft so and russell was number two in that cat draft was he not i oh, think he was right. That wasn't right. their pick, but yeah, he's the, the talent yeah. they, the, they're building around two number ones and a number two. So that's a, yeah. it's a pretty good place to start. Pa- Patrick, as part of the terms of the sale, I don't believe A-Rod gets to have any at-bats against uh, Alex Colomay, but uh, <laughs> uh, that, uh, he, I think he could probably, he could probably still, you know, I don't know, at least a double maybe off of, off yeah. of Colomay. That's, that's not going well. Here, here's the stat for you of the day. Twins are five and four. Went and looked at it. They have trailed for 10 innings all season. Yes. Yeah. Yesterday was by far the worst. Uh, yeah. I mean, to have a, to have a six old lead and, uh, and uh, shoemakers just rolling. And then after that, I don't know why they have invested in Cola Calme as the closer. What, no, why, why is he specifically the closer? I don't know. It doesn't uh, make sense. I mean, it, I mean, you got Taylor Rogers throwing twice as good as him. I mean, I'm not, I, you know, that I assumed they were going to do it by committee, right? That, I did too. Yeah. 
Rogers would close some. He'd close some. Here's the guy. When I first read about him, and I remember Sue Ann wrote something about, you know, how much better the bullpen should be. This is before spring training started. And, and I texted Jim and I said, uh, or I messaged him. I said, his, he's a cutter guy and he's losing velocity. I said, when cutter guys start losing velocity, I get nervous about them. And, uh, you know, and he said, well, that's, that's a, that's a point, you know, I mean, Phil Hughes, he was great. Yeah. Right. And then he, then he lost velocity because he threw 80% cutters. And listen, when you throw a cutter and it sits in the middle of the plate, it's the same as a slider. That's, you know, it's, you know, you gotta be just because that ball's got some movement on it. If it's a movement that comes and sits in the middle of the plate, and now it's only going 91 or, you know, 92 miles right. an hour. Uh, I don't know. I don't, uh, I, I didn't see it from the get go. And now they've like a, Pitcher on the downturn, which when which he was when they got him here, a reliever on the downturn. Why they would have so much faith in him uh, right off the bat is is really surprising to me. But uh, I guess they signed him, and their geniuses, their pitching geniuses, uh, Josh Kalk and the boys tell them this guy's the answer. But uh, I don't know. It's uh, he de- he doesn't come in and blow anybody away. You know, I mean no. he doesn't. It's lots of ground balls, and uh, I don't know. Hansel's been better than him, and uh, I, I, I don't know. It's uh, I did look out today, by the way. J.A. Happ against the Boston team that has all of a sudden gotten out of its coma that they started the season with, and they're killing the ball. J.D. Martinez is what? When he had three home runs on Sunday? Three home runs Sunday. He's had an extra base hit in eight straight games, and uh, – you know, and then the other thing is, what are we going to do with the big lunk? Yeah. Yeah, wow. I know it. It's like three for 34. There is nobody in baseball. If you're the other team and you need a strikeout, you'd rather see come to the plate than Miguel Sano. He's the other night, the other day when they were uh, uh, in the te- ninth inning, right? Trying to win the game in the ninth inning. Yep. Yep. And, uh, he was, I said, he was a 12 and a half point favorite to strike out. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, or, you know, if you were in Vegas and you could have bet on the individual bat, I bet he would have been, I bet he, I bet, I bet you would have had to make seven, bet seven to make five that he was going to strike out. He struck out now. I saw Phil's note today, 23 straight games. He's had a strike up oh. yesterday. It was on the dirt. I mean, he's got no chance. He's, Right. I don't know what you do. You can't option him. There's no A, there's no place to option him. B, he can't be optioned because he's had over five years of experience and he might be out of options anyway. I don't know what you do, but it's he's he's he can't hit. He's no. he's he's un, he's ungodly terrible. Right. I don't know. I guess maybe, maybe, maybe we know now why uh Kirloff's playing was playing so much first base. Um in the- yeah. But I mean, you gotta, but, but, but can you just cut the cord from him? Can yeah. I just, don't know. I mean, what, what do you do? You, You're always going to be tempted by those hot streaks that he's been on before. And the, you know, just the approach he had, you know, what was it? What was his best year? Was it 17 or was it 19? I yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he was, you know, he was going good there for a while as recently as 19, but uh, I don't know. He showed up. What was the year? He showed up enormous 18, right? What yeah. I think that's what it was. He's in uh and uh, right now he's 
you know, 290 again. He's 285, 290. It's just, you know, a man that size is not made to hit. No, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Howard's the only one. He's not, he can't get the bat to the ball. He can't catch up. And then, so now he's all screwed up trying to get out quick to hit the fastball. And then they throw him a breaking ball. And it's, it's pathetic. And uh, I mean, it's, and, and he's terrible at first base too. So uh, aside from I, that, he's had a really good year. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you just got to sit him on the bench. And when your Robinson comes back, you got to, uh, you know, when you, uh, but Donaldson, when Donaldson I mean, comes Donaldson, back. Yeah. Even if Robinson comes back, I don't even know who he is, but uh, <laughs> I hope you're not talking about get, Shane Robinson. If they get some guy named, I'd take Shane Robinson <laughs> all over him right now. Instead of this guy, he's an embarrassment to uh, baseball. I mean, it's, it's brutal. And the, here's the bad thing is you, you paid him uh, and you haven't paid Buxton and Buxton's going to cost you what? Yeah, he's gonna be expensive. He, if you're he, lucky, keep, he keeps this up. He keeps this oh. up and stays healthy this year. Oh man, he's gonna be very expensive. But uh, you gotta you gotta hide Sano someplace. I don't yeah. know where. And I think the only thing to you know, if he's on the bench and they bring in a lefty, maybe you can uh, run him out out there. Maybe he's got a chance against a lefty. I knew he was in trouble when he couldn't even hit the ball hard against Marco Gonzalez the other day, a yeah. soft thrown lefty. That's the kind of slop he can hit, but he's brutal. And by the way, former manager of the year, Rocco, let's get your act together here, buddy. Two nights, two days ago, why the hell did they pitch to Seeger in, uh, in the ninth inning? They're the, he's there, not yesterday when he hit the home run. Right, because his first and second, nobody out yeah, yesterday. He had, he had to pitch to him, but you got to. You got a base open. You got Taylor Rogers warmed up, and you you pitch to him. What? Yeah, I don't know. It, it, it was idiotic, and uh, uh, you know you either got to walk him or uh, or have Rogers come in and try to strike him out. It's uh, and he's he's done some goofy things right now. He's uh, and I I you know I don't think it's him. He's got all his analytic guys and stuff telling him this is the matchup you want, but, uh, I don't know. He's having a, he's not up to a rousing start as a, as a decision maker this year either. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. I think his best, his best attribute has always been kind of his more of his demeanor and his ability to kind of keep a team, you know, from, from getting on a big losing streak, you know, they trying to keep a team from having anybody play four straight games. Drives, that me, too. drives me nuts. We were taunting and a little little uh, old fashioned taunting in the press box when he went out to check on Kepler the other day. Get him out of there quick, hurry. Come on. <laughs> Come on. He might have a little back. He might have a little oh, a little twitch in his back. Maybe he wants to belch. Get him out of there, Rocco. Come on. Right. Uh... Come on. When he took a rise out because he had heartburn, I almost lost it. Uh, I'm not the old time play 162 guy like I sound like sometimes, but begging guys to come out of the game drives me crazy. So yeah. he's got three position players on the bench because they have 14 pitchers and uh, and he's begging guys to leave all the time. Yeah, drives me nuts. So I don't know. It would be nice if Miguel could if he could discover an injury for Miguel to uh, <laughs> take uh, 10 games off here, you know, 
you know, as I used to say about uh, some of these guys, take 15 days off and then quit. Patrick, really, really quick before we get out of here, I got to ask you quick about your, your Huskies oh. they lost. Uh, that, that didn't go great. Great run. Um, get to the national title game, but the, the, the finish, I, unfortunately I think, couldn't, man, couldn't finish it off. St. Cloud. State. I don't think Minnesota had its best team in the finals. I think, uh, I think Mankato was yep. the best team. You're probably and, right. Uh, St. Cloud, uh, you know, just the UMD got, I mean, Mankato let that lead get away right at the end and then uh, lost that game. But, uh, you know, St. Cloud, uh, I was I was surprised they beat Boston College, obviously, because they knocked them around. But this UMass team, I know they had uh, had one guy, uh, one important guy out, but they, they just, they were, from what I watched of the two games, uh, they were the better team yep. against, against both UMD and uh, and uh st cloud so uh you know that's you know not not a good look for the state of hockey no we got them three in the frozen four but no champs we got them outnumbered three to one and they end up uh, winning the championship so uh but yeah the huskies were i don't think they were great they've had better teams yeah and uh umd was better than them but they beat them got their final so what the heck uh yeah i mean it's it's uh, it, it was weird just to have get the beat that bad. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, good stuff, Patrick. Appreciate you coming on on Mondays as usual, and we'll uh, we'll see what we'll see what next Monday has in store. There's always something that happens over the weekend. Oh, gives us plenty yeah. to talk about. All right, sir. All right, take care. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to be joined right now by Jim Suhan, who is in Augusta for the Masters, just wrapped up Sunday, of course. Um, Hideki Matsuyama becomes the first Japanese man to win the Masters. Um, Jim, welcome. And uh, talk me through the uh, the historic nature of of his run right off the bat, please. Well, the the big history here is he's the first Japanese man to win a major. And, you know, that, that would be a big deal no matter, I mean, no matter who won from what country or whatever, but J- Japan really loves golf. And I mean, really the two most popular sports over there uh, are baseball and golf. And they've had baseball players come over here and win world series and, and be a big, you know, be big stars. In fact, uh, Masiyama was saying that his favorite athletes have been baseball players, including Kenta Maeda uh, with the Twins. It, but they hadn't had anybody break through. And Masiyama, you know, he, won, he was low amateur at the Masters, you know, 10 years ago. And then he really became a star pretty quickly. He was a top of the world player. He was winning some big tournaments. He hadn't won in four years here. So for him to kind of come out of nowhere and, and, and hold it together, and have that incredible back nine on Saturday and then deal with all the nerves that he admitted to on Sunday and win, you know, not only playing for himself, but also playing for his country. This is, this is a, one of the more historic masters victories we've seen in a while. Of course, <laughs> I, I say that tiger, what tiger winning two years ago, that was pretty big too, but uh, this is one of the more significant masters victories in recent memory. You, you made a baseball reference. He he closed only slightly better than Alexander Colome today, but he did enough to 
get the win. Um, so talk me, he, he admitted to those nerves and it got dicey. You know, I thought it was going to get even closer. I started watching a little bit more intently, you know, when the gap closed from four to two, was that on 14? I believe that, that, uh, that, uh, that, that Xander had, had, had cut it to, you know, but then all of a sudden Xander hits the triple bogey and you're thinking, okay, it's, it's over. Um, how did he kind of manage to, to, to at least hold together enough? Well, and it's fascinating too, because you, you look back on this back nine for the top players and say, man, if that guy, if, if Xander doesn't make a triple and a double, right. He wins the tournament. If, if, you know, Zal Torres makes one more putt, he's in a playoff and they all know that, but they also, you know, that's the thing is that like Xander uh, hitting the ball in the water in 16. Well, it's easy to say now, well, how could he go for it there? He just played say, well, but he didn't know, you know I mean? He didn't know that. And, uh, and uh, Matsuyama, you know, he has his worst shot of the day. So when he really sees the tournament on Saturday with a brilliant five iron uh, that set up his Eagle on and 15 and that's you know that sets up the great back nine that gives them the big lead to sleep on give them the four shot lead going into sunday well today he's not that much farther back you know he's like seven ten yards farther back he goes four iron and he hits it too good and that that's the nature of golf that's why this game is so maddening he hits it too good it goes way over the back it goes in the water and all of a sudden on a hole that he should be making birdie if not having an eagle putt you know he's scrambling Right. And and Xander's catching up. I mean, so you know, fascinating stuff. But but I will say this: he did what he had to on the last three holes. Uh, he hit it, you know, safely on the 16 green. Uh, you know, 17. He hit two great shots and made a routine par. And then 18. The key was, you know, that, that's a tricky dive, driving hole, especially if you're under pressure. And he had a beautiful fade uh, to avoid the bunker, set himself up. Second shot into the greenside bunker which is not bad when he had the margin he had you know uh blasts out two putts and he wins it so he did just enough but he also did just enough because he knew exactly what he needed to do yeah that's true i mean right and you you mentioned you know how can you how can those other guys play so aggressively you don't know what he's going to do and you know it's it's when you're in the trail position you are naturally going to be aggressive it's the hindsight you know it's obviously the hindsight where you say oh i wish i wouldn't have done that because i would have been in a better position but they they played they played the correct level of aggressiveness. It just didn't work out for him. Exactly. And uh, Xander kind of double crossed himself there and everybody knows what happens on 16 with that pin placement. You try to hit it, you know, a little to the right of the pin and it'll feed back. Xander got a little aggressive and all of a sudden he's in the water and then he's hitting a bad, you know, then I'm sure his nerves are shot and he's hitting a bad shot out. And, And that's the thing that, that is the thing about golf is you can see the nerves and you can see how it affects them. And I mean, uh, Masayama said he he couldn't sleep last night, couldn't sleep this morning. Comes to the golf course, and you, you know I'm standing five feet away from him on the first tee, and I could tell that he was nervous and hits that first shot way right, and then kind of chunks it out to the fairway and hits a really nervous little wedge shot, and it spins back and he two putts for bogey. But you know he settled himself. He he makes birdie on two, uh, plays really well from there until the fifteenth, really. And he had and he had built himself enough, up enough of a margin that he could afford to make, miss a couple. Jim, last thing for you. Appreciate it. Jim Suhan out in Augusta covered the Masters for the Star Tribune. Um, atmosphere wise, I mean, we, we've been on this kind of year long journey of, you know, 
no fans for a long time and obviously spectators here. How did it feel to be out there? Uh, great and weird. Yeah. Uh, it was cool that, that they had, you know, 12,000 or so fans here every day, but it was quiet. And you heard some roars like when Corey Connors made an ace. Yeah. You heard a roar, but it wasn't a roar roar. It was a, it, it was, you know, everything was just mild. And, you know, that's not a terrible thing. Uh, it's a good thing that they're being cautious here, but it just wasn't the same, you know? And so I think combination of not having Tiger walking around, just yeah. a, a, attracting attention and the fact that uh, there just weren't as many patrons here as they usually, usually are. It just felt quieter than usual. And then that's, again, that's not a terrible thing, but it was different. Good stuff, Jim. Appreciate it. Read Jim's coverage at Star Tribune, startribune.com. And uh, Jim will catch up with you down the road again, okay? Great. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. Let's end with the cooler. NHL trade deadline is later Monday today. Um, doesn't sound like Wild is up to much, despite my uh, pleas that uh, maybe Zach Parisi and the Wild need to break up. Sounds like uh, sounds like they're going to do the old, uh, we're going to improve from within, get some players back from injury. The big one would be Marcus Foligno. Maybe he'll be back as soon as tonight when they play uh, again against St. Louis, a big stretch of games against the Blues with you know the big 9-1 loss the other day, better the other day uh, after that, but still a 3-2 overtime loss. Marcus Foligno, you can kind of draw a straight line through the way they've played with him and without him. It's been much better with him. Doesn't seem like the kind of player that should be that impactful necessarily. Doesn't score a ton of goals, but uh, one of those kind of glue guys that Sarah McClellan has described on the show before that, that kind of holds everybody accountable, holds everybody together. So we'll see if he is able to kind of give them the same jolt that a trade might, because it doesn't sound like a trade is going to happen. Thanks for joining me here today on Daily Delivery. That will do it for now. Dave Thorson, new Gophers men's assistant basketball coach, is expected to be on Tuesday's show uh, to talk through a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, longtime De La Salle coach, was out at Colorado State before this, so excited to, uh, to hear from Dave and what he has in store with Ben Johnson on that staff. Thanks for listening today. Subscribe to uh, Star Tribune, startribune.com. Subscribe to this podcast, and we will see you again on Tuesday.